Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Free Movement Immigration Update podcast. We are covering the events of April 2021 this time. Um, I'm joined as ever by my colleague CJ McKinney. We've got a few different subjects to cover this month. It's a little bit bitty. We've got some detention issues. We've got a couple of things on the EU settlement scheme for which I should say the deadline is now rapidly approaching. We've got a few things on nationality law as well. Um, if you want to claim CPD points as a lawyer for listening to the podcast, then head over to freemovements.org.uk slash training and sign up. Um, and you can listen to the podcast and do a, a short quiz to, to help you prove that you're keeping yourself up to date. Right, CJ, over to you. Yes, before we get into the detention and other stuff you mentioned, we'll look at a upper tribunal decision on the impact of overstaying on long residence applications. So this is where you're applying for settlement in the UK on the basis that you've got 10 years continuous lawful residence. Uh, but what, ha- what happens if you've overstayed during those 10 years? So the basic position is that if the overstaying was overlooked by the Home Office at the time, if they granted your extension, then it shouldn't be held against you when you come to make your long residence application. That was the case of Hawk in 2019. And that proposition was really tested to destruction in this case, where it wasn't a short period of overstaying at all. It was 507 days where the appellant had no permission to be in the UK. In the UK. But the Upper Tribunal uh, basically held that this was okay. And not only could this 507-day gap be overlooked, it could positively count towards the 10 years. So that case, Asif, paragraph 276B, disregard previous overstaying Pakistan, 2021 UKUT 96 IAC. Yeah, and this one's a really good result for people. So I also ought to ought to point out that you know the five hundred and seven days is not him just waltzing around ignoring the need to make an application or anything. He's he's busy challenging a decision there. It's just that technically speaking, yeah, the Home Office knows where he is. Um, he's he's sort of you know well known to the Home Office at this point, but he's challenging a decision, and because of that, there is a big gap in his um, in his lawful stay. Um, yeah, I'm, I sort of feel simultaneously um, proud and ashamed of the the use of the word interjacent there, because I think this was one of those blog posts that <laughs> you were away that week, weren't you? And I was I was left in charge, um, and that's what happens when that happens. I'm still none the wiser what interjacent means, um, but I think we could understand the case without knowing it, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, luckily, luckily. Um, okay, so moving moving rapidly on from that. Yes, let's look at some cases uh, relating to immigration detention. There's one on the issue of immigration detainees held in prison uh, over 400 at any one time, people affected by that. And they have it much worse than detainees held in immigration removal centres, including when it comes to the lack of a Rule 35 process. So the Rule 35 process in removal centres is where doctors are obliged to report concerns about vulnerable detainees to the Home Office who may then wish to release the person. No such process exists for detainees in prisons. And that state of affairs is unlawful, says the Court of Appeal in the case of MR Pakistan 2021 EWCA Civ 541. Yeah, and, it, and again, this is a really good decision, and it and it overturns the the high court on this, um, which was this is very welcome. And it's um, rule thirty five is is pretty rubbish anyway. Um, it's it's a really poor mechanism for protecting immigration detainees, but prisoners don't even have that. Um, so you know, this is a really welcome ruling. Given the Home Office's tendency to ignore Rule Thirty Five reports, um, you know, one wonders whether it will make much difference in practice. But it certainly can't be a bad thing that um, some sort of equivalent mechanism now needs to be put in place. 
Another detention case then, this one was in the mainstream news quite a bit. It concerns the tragic death of a man called Oscar Lucky Okwurime in Harmonsworth uh, Removal Centre in September 2019. So a friend of the deceased, Mr Lowell, was a potential witness at the coroner's inquest and the Home Office had tried to remove Mr Lowell anyway. The High Court issued an injunction to stop them doing that pending a full hearing on this issue and it's now handed down a judgment saying among other things that removing him would have been unlawful and that home office policies on securing witness evidence for the coroner in situations like this in deaths in detention centers those policies are legally deficient and should be changed uh, that case is unreported but it's on the websites um colin i guess thankfully it's not a situation that arises too often but obviously very important this judgment in holding the home office to account for deaths that do occur in its custody yeah i mean you say not that often but actually um i added up the number of people who died in detention in recent years when i was working on um the welcome to britain book and i can't remember off the top of my head but it was over 30 i think even since um 2014 so actually quite a substantial number of people do actually die in immigration detention you know those aren't small numbers um and it's a it's one of those cases where even people who closely follow the Home Office and are very sceptical of their exercise of powers and so on, I, I just really astonished that the Home Office acted as they did in this way. It's, it just seems so utterly unreasonable by any objective standard. Um, and I know I shouldn't be surprised by that after all these years, but um, but but I am. Um, on, a, on a sort of law geek note, I'm slightly surprised to see an old favourite, the case of Quarqua, not being cited or mentioned in the judgment here, as far as I could see when I was looking through. It's, um, it was an old case um, where the there was a fire at Campsfield Detention Centre, used to be near Oxford, and um, that was a sort of landmark ruling where uh, a witness um, was you know, basically the Home Office tried to bundle a witness out of the country, and um, that was held to be unlawful. And it's kind of it, it feels like a parallel situation here. So um, diff- different facts, but nevertheless parallel. And um, you'd have, you'd have thought they've given that a mention, but they haven't. You're just getting old, Colin. The, these young judges don't remember these old cases that uh, that you do. Sadly, that does actually appear to be the case. <laughs> Not a bit of it. Um, finally then on detention there's a new version of the policy on adults at risk in immigration detention uh, that's coming into force on the 25th of May so in uh, 10 days time or so this is um, the regulations making that happen the immigration guidance on detention of vulnerable persons regulations 2021 they've already been passed and the significant change is that victims of human trafficking will now be covered by the adults at risk policy rather than being released by default, if there are reasonable grounds to suspect that someone has been trafficked. And I think when we initially commented on this change, we maybe thought it made sense on paper, tidy things up a bit, it was it was neater. But I think pe- people who work on trafficking matters think that it's a, a change very much for the worse in practice. And the Home Office has admitted somewhere in the small print that it will probably end up with more potential trafficking victims being detained. Yeah, there's been all sorts of problems with the adult at risk policy. And, you know, this was introduced in order supposedly to reduce the number of at risk adults being detained. It actually seems to have had exactly the opposite effect. You know, the number of people who are being detained has been um, falling overall, which is very welcome even before the pandemic. But the number of 
at-risk individuals, the absolute numbers actually seem to have been increasing, I, I think. There was a, a parliamentary committee looking at this. Um, so there's some real problems with the way that the adults at risk policy works. And bringing trafficking victims into that policy does seem like a pretty retrograde step for, for them. So um, it's not necessarily good news at all. Speaking of vulnerable migrants, we have an update as well on migrants found rough sleeping. New immigration rules allow the Home Office to kick out rough sleepers effectively, and those have been in place since December last year. Uh, more recently, those rules were tweaked to say that it's only where the person has, quote, repeatedly refused offers of suitable support and has engaged in persistent antisocial behaviour, end quote, uh, that they can be targeted. So that's an improvement up to a point in the actual rules on this. There's also some detailed guidance for caseworkers, which Ellery Griffiths reviewed for us on the website. She points out in that that uh, council's duties to offer support are fairly limited. And she also notes that someone's permission to be in the UK can be sort of cancelled on file without actually serving them notice. So someone could be out there on the streets uh, unaware that they're being uh, primed for removal, that their permission to stay has been uh, revoked, which is quite sad um anything else jump out at you colin on that issue not really i mean it's it's worrying that the home office is is going down this road and um you know we have seen them repeatedly targeting people who are said to be homeless but you know are, are perhaps only temporarily homeless um you know perhaps having other problems and sort of rather than supporting them, just sort of bundling them out of the country, basically. Um, I, I, I strongly recommend having a look um, at the blog post. And um, the the author, um, Aleri, she's a specialist not just in immigration, but also in housing law, which is very helpful. So, um, so well worth a look. Absolutely. A lot of crossover between the two disciplines. EU settlement scheme then. The deadline, as you said, is coming up fast, 30th of June 2021. The main deadline for people to apply but uh, there are circumstances in which people can apply late uh, after the 30th of june and chris desira from surface has done a really good detailed article on this it's getting a lot of reads on the website the basic rule is that you need to have reasonable grounds to apply late and those could include but aren't limited to uh, being a child whose family or social worker didn't sort it out for you um, serious medical conditions domestic abuse various others the Home Office are also saying, uh, sort of word on the street or, or communications to, to Chris and his team, that it may not be in the actual guidance, but they've said they won't really need uh, reasonable grounds or any kind of good reason uh, for late application if you're applying very soon after the deadline. So it's the further past the 30th of June that we get, the more caseworkers are going to be looking for these reasonable grounds rather than just sort of waving you through. The uh, guidance also applies to people who applied late um, to uh, upgrade from pre-settled to settled status. Uh, reasonable grounds also needed there. But again, perhaps if it's just a few days, they won't really care. Uh, so some flexibility there on uh, late applications, it looks like uh, quite a good thing. Yeah, it looks, and you know, feel slightly surprised to find myself saying this, it looks like a about as good a job as the Home Office could be expected to do in the circumstances. But that's quite an important caveat. And it doesn't matter how liberal um, this policy might be, the fact is that there are going to be people who don't make applications and get caught out quite badly by this. And they'll get caught out not just by um, immigration officials, but by 
third parties, so employers, landlords, and and whoever, they'll be denied um, benefits um, if they fall on hard times. So there's going to be all sorts of problems that flow from this. And this this is welcome so far as it goes. Um, so sort of drawing particular attention to this idea that somebody who's encountered by immigration enforcement, an EU citizen who's um, already resident who gets encountered by immigration enforcement within the country will apparently be served with a notice and given 28 days to to do something about it rather than just being you know bundled away in the back of the van and taken off into to immigration detention and pushed out of the country so that that's that's welcome but of course this is just such a radical change in comparison to the the free movement rights without documents that people have had previously that um uh, it's hard to see this as much of a silver lining in those circumstances. Yeah, it's definitely, I suppose, hard for us to imagine that there are people who might not really be aware of this change because we're so wrapped up in Brexit and settlement scheme and all the rest of it. But th- there's been reports recently of EU citizens pitching up at the border, um, you know, saying, oh yeah, I'm here to look for work as they would have done pre-Brexit and, and being detained and removed. So it's obviously, you know, people out there who, don't pay attention to these things and, and who will be caught out by these kind of uh, deadlines. Yeah. I and mean, if you're reading the newspapers and you're listening to this podcast and you're reading the blog, by definition, you know about this stuff. Um, it's the people who who don't. And it's, it's it's sometimes hard for us to imagine that there are people who don't, but there certainly are. And there, there will be probably tens or hundreds of thousands of people in that kind of position. Among whom are likely to be children in the care system, a very at-risk group. Uh, they need settled status uh, sort of sorted out for them by social workers, and not all of them have. The High Court Family Division has, however, issued a detailed judgment basically saying that uh, parental consent is not needed in such cases, and social workers can and should get on with it, uh, get on with applying for settled status uh, on behalf of children in their care, and there's no need for a court order generally. So and the legal power for um, children's services to do that is section thirty three three of the Children Act nineteen eighty nine. More details in the judgments. That's W and R Z EU settled status for looked after children twenty twenty one EWHC seven eight three fam. Yeah, anything that removes barriers to local authorities doing what they're supposed to be doing is has got to be welcome. And there there still are local authorities who haven't done this. I was advising in a case for a local authority just a few weeks ago where applications haven't yet been made for the children. You know, the deadline's not that far away. Um there must be plenty of um kids who who are going to get left behind by this basically who e- even ones who are potentially in <laughs> in care or or sort of within the knowledge of the local authority, never mind the ones who um, who emerged later. A couple of quick notes on appeals then. The Court of Appeal has confirmed, upholding an earlier upper tribunal decision, that where someone applies for indefinite leave to remain, but they only get limited leave to remain, there is no right of appeal even if human rights are in play. That case, Mujahid 2021 EWCA-449, although Nat does point out that you may be able to judicially review the refusal even if you can't appeal, so there is a maybe some recourse for you in that situation. Yeah, my considered response to this is grumble, 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 grumble. Uh, There's also word from the Immigration Tribunal on bringing some appeals online, mandatory online appeals. Uh, Do you want to tell us about that? I think you wrote a quick note about it. 
Um, not particularly. This is this is this is one of those things that came up while you were away, and um, because I don't lodge appeals, I was uh, a little bit uncertain of, of of where I was going with this. So I checked with some of the free movement uh, contributors, and um, yeah, it's basically it does what it says on the tin. You've got to lodge out of country appeals through that particular online gateway now, apparently, unless there are particularly good reasons otherwise. Okay, so out of country appeals through the MyHMCTS portal. Yeah, yeah, that's one. Kind of good. Just a few more items to cover then. There's an interesting case about the relationship between a human rights claim to stay in the UK and an asylum claim. The Home Office would basically prefer you to make one or the other and put you in a certain box, but real life is messier than that. And what happens if someone brings up you know, threats, uh, persecution back home that seems like it might be relevant to an asylum claim, but they're making a human rights application and they, they don't want to claim asylum necessarily. So in this case, you have a Nigerian family who are applying to stay in the UK on the basis of their private life type of uh, human rights claim. But part of their evidence was about the risk of kidnapping and some unpleasant religious practices uh, back home. And what just happened in this kind of situation, according to the upper tribunal, is that the Home Office should first say, perhaps you'd like to claim asylum given your circumstances. Um, but you're not obliged to. And if the applicant says no, then their asylum type evidence should be considered as part of the human rights claim, not just put aside because it's a total different species of, of application. So that case, uh, JA Human Rights Claim Serious Harm Nigeria, 2021 UKUT 97 IAC. Yeah, it's quite a good example of how nuts the Home Office is, basically, this. And you know, do you really need to be told that if somebody raises protection issues that you really ought to consider them? And it's kind of, we seem to be so far away from the idea of what used to be called one-stop appeals, where the, you know, the idea was the Home Office would try and deal with everything all in one go, not just for the benefit of the people concerned, but also in the interests of public administration. Because you know, if you deal with things, what one set of circumstances and make them leave behind the other circumstance and deal with those later, then you know it just means a later application, another appeal further down the line, and and so on. And, and the Home Office just, you know, it's, it's like the opposite of administering the immigration system effectively and efficiently. So it's just it's just nuts. Absolutely. We end on nationality law, and there's been a case on the good character requirement for British citizenship. The High Court found that it's been unlawfully applied to members of the Windrush generation. That's the judgment in Howard 2021 EWHC 1023 admin. And uh, John says, who wrote up the case, uh, says that any members of the Windrush generation who've been refused naturalization on good character grounds due to minor offending should now consider reapplying. So hopefully a judgment that will help some people. Yeah, it's a really sad case, this one, because um, Mr. Mr. Hubert Howard, who was the, the claimant, actually died himself um, before the conclusion of these proceedings, which which were carried on on his behalf by his daughter. And um, it's a sad case because it's, you know, Again, people at the Home Office just reacting in, in ways that defy belief, even you know when one is used to, to how bad the Home Office is at dealing with cases. Um, and it's just in these kind of naturalization, good character cases, it's, you know, lawyers are well aware that there's no real consideration of evidence of good character in these kinds of cases or the kind of positive factors that might be weighed in somebody's favor. Um, all you get from officials is consideration of any potential negative considerations. And that's exactly what happened here. 
Um, and it, it's partly, to be fair, to the officials concerned. I mean, it, which again, you often hear me say, but partly to be to be fair to them, it's um, frankly from from the top in this case where um, Amber Rudd had apparently um, looked at and, and was in favour of amending the guidance in Windrush cases. And Sajid Javid decided not to go ahead and do that. So the kind of conventional approach was was applied. But this just goes to show how bad the conventional approach is. You know, it, sh- it shouldn't just be amended in Windrush cases. It should be amended in all cases so that, you know, all of the circumstances can be taken into account when it comes to assessing good character. And that's just not what happened here. And it, it should be what happens all the time. Finally, then, just a shout out to Emma Harris's great piece on nationality law, specifically the changes proposed in the new plan for immigration. So that was mostly about asylum, unlawful immigration, but there's also some kind of miscellaneous reforms to citizenship law proposed. So um, I think those are mostly positive, um, although not exclusively, and mostly fairly complicated. So I don't think we'll maybe rehearse uh, her piece in detail, um, but it's very it's very useful if you are interested in those reforms. She goes through it in some detail. Was there anything that jumped out at you, Colin, in those uh, plans? Yeah, just quickly, and the, the registration of stateless children, um, the Home Office is looking at tightening up, and that is definitely bad news. Um, but the rest of the changes, as you say, are, are broadly positive, particularly for um, British Overseas Territory citizens um, or those who, who should be but aren't because of gender discrimination in the past. So there's some good stuff here, and um, it's well worth taking a look at Emma's piece, um, which I think... Um, draws us to a close this month so that's everything we've got to cover hope that was useful and we'll be back next month goodbye